0: No, I'm going to talk about it. Um, we're going to talk about how men and women are different. We're going to talk about uh, social exchange theory, and we're going to talk about his needs, her needs, and emotional needs. Uh, and we're going to—I've got one page of notes, but it's a lot of material. So we'll do our best to get through uh, through it as much as we can. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is that um, I've been saying for four weeks that men and women are different, not just from Uh, nurture, but from nature, physiologically, biologically, and neurologically, and I have a couple of examples for you. Uh, I do happen to appreciate John Gray's work. Uh, He's the um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Uh, He's that guy and his whole franchise of those books are actually pretty helpful. And these uh, two illustrations that I have here uh, are from the last book of his that I read. I don't know if it's the last one he wrote. I think it might be. but. Um, it's uh, The name of the book is uh, When Venus and Mars Collide, How Stress and Fatigue Affect the Way Romantic Couples Argue with Each Other. Have I mentioned this book before? Okay. Some of you are shaking your head yes, some of you are no. Um, 265 pages of research uh, results on how men and women argue with each other in romantic relationships. Sounds like a real snoozer, right? I could not put this book down when I read it. It was absolutely fascinating. So. Uh, in, in one area, he talks about, <clears throat> and I use this in Com 100, y- you know what the five senses are, right? You, you learned that in first grade. Unless you went to my school district, you learned it in third grade because we were a little slower. Um, so uh, seeing, smelling, tasting, feeling, and what's the other one? Hearing. Hearing, yeah. <laughs> Fourth grade maybe I learned. it. So, <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> so uh, he says that there is actually now a sixth sense that that scientists are kind of starting to lean into that it's actually genuinely possible not from a not from an emotional or spiritual point of view which many of us have thought it was for years many of us who are older but now there's physiological and neurological uh proof that that maybe this as is actually kind of a sixth sense but it but it's really gender specific does anybody know what sixth sense That's exactly right. Women's intuition. That's right. And he says the reason is because um, uh, men's and women's brains are different. Most of you know this by now because, I mean, it's not a secret anymore, but they're different. And the corpus callosum, which is the bundle of nerves that um, produces uh, and and helps with the crosstalk between the two hemispheres uh, of the brain, the corpus callosum is on average 25 to 35% larger in women than it is in men, okay? Uh, men have a bigger frontal lobe. Women have a larger corpus callosum. That means that their left and right brains speak to each other in a much faster way, in a much more efficient way. <clears throat> the way he describes it in the book is... Uh, uh, women's left brain and right brain uh, are able to speak to each other like it's um, uh, a freeway. And when men's right left brains and right brains are trying to speak to each other, it's like going uh, the back roads with lots of stop signs and detours. And it takes a while to get there, okay? And so women are uh, physiologically and neurologically able to connect things more quickly. Um, it's one of the reasons why, um, you know, Men are waffles, women are spaghetti in terms of uh, their brains. They, everything is connected. Um, uh, it, it, it's why they're, they're what I would call ubiquitous. Jackie, uh, by the way, my wife's here tonight. Jackie, for those of you that don't know her, she's back there. Because she hasn't been able to be here for the last four weeks. Because of volleyball, volleyball season's over. She's here tonight and hopefully next week too. Um, anyway, uh, some of you are wondering if I really had a wife. Okay, I'm Corky from... Uh, Waiting for Guffman, so that's really obscure. But anyway, (laughs) those of you that know that reference really appreciate it. Okay, yeah, so (laughs) anyway, I swear I'm buying the pantyhose for my wife. So anyway, um, (laughs) I digress. So Jackie is ubiquitous. She can actually handle three or four things at one time fairly efficiently, not with maximum efficiency if she's just focusing, but a lot more efficiently than I can, okay? Some people call it multitasking, maybe, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. My favorite uh, illustration or story of that is, we were out one night at Stuart Anderson's eating, and we were, having the, we were sitting across from each other, we were having this conversation, and I mean we were fully engaged. This was good conversation back and forth, we were really deep with each other, and, and I'm telling you, at one point, I was about to say something and she holds up her hand and she says, just wait a minute. And she always has to say, she learned a long time ago, she always has to say this. She said, now don't look, but right over your right shoulder. See, in the past, if she said right over your right shoulder, I would have gone, what? You know, and embarrassed us, but she said, don't look, but right over your right shoulder, the couple at, at, in the booth behind you, they're breaking up right now. And 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 I'm I'm going she knows this is going on and is fully engaged with that conversation while no problem tracking with me as well. I can't do that. Okay. Literally, I can't do that. There have been times I can't eat and watch TV at the same time. Literally. There have been times she'll walk through the living room, I'm watching TV, I have a scoop of food like this. (laughs) I've forgotten. And I like food, so okay, so I can't do that, but it's, it's all in this corpus callosum thing. So um, when uh, Mark Gunger was doing his deal, uh, that, that video we showed up first or second week, okay, that's part of what he was talking about was men's brains and women's brains are different, but that was part of it, okay? The second one is um, there is a, a hormone that is associated with men, testosterone, okay, so. Um, This hormone is actually a lot more important than some people think. And and believe me, you don't want a world uh, with testosterone-less men. You really don't want that. That would be a very bad thing. Uh, there was a war against testosterone in men for many, many years, but now we're discovering that, yeah, if you have too much, it's a problem, but if you don't have enough, it's a really serious problem, and there might even be guys in this room right now who are on testosterone supplements because they are low in testosterone, and that is a very serious problem, okay? But one of the reasons that testosterone is important is, is because um, it, it, it gives you motivation, it gives you energy, it gives you um, a, a good attitude, uh, it, it's what keeps you on an even keel. Testosterone is really, really important. So, uh, I don't take testosterone um, supplements, but I do know that as a distance runner, uh, one of the things that depletes testosterone is is, is distance running. And so, uh, people have, uh, I've been counseled that you should lift weights a little bit because that helps build it back up, okay? But anyway, what happens with testosterone is, uh, generally, at the beginning of the day, the guy's got a pretty good supply of it. And he goes out, and he's out in the marketplace. They're doing his thing or whatever it is, playing video games, whatever it is, okay? And by the end of the day, his testosterone is depleted. And his body is now beginning to tell him, John Gray talks about this uh, in, uh, he talks about not only in this book, but also in the original Venus and Mars. But not only, uh, uh, his, his body is depleted, and his body is now telling him you need to engage in 60 to 90 minutes of activity that will help you naturally replenish your testosterone. Okay, and there is very specific behavior that men can engage in for 60 to 90 minutes that optimizes the natural replenishment, the natural bodily bodily manufacturing of testosterone um, if he's allowed to do that. Does Does anybody have any idea what that might, it's not sex, okay? Does anybody have any idea what it is, okay? I'm sorry? Maybe it's kind of, uh, more general. Anybody D- the dishes. Somebody said the dishes. If he does the dishes, that's good. I like that answer. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's what helps him. He needs to, he needs to be able to engage in mindless behavior in isolation. Mindless behavior in isolation. Some of you guys right now are going, yeah, <laughs> that's it's awesome. like yes, okay mindless behavior. Okay mindless behavior in isolation. Now that could be weightlifting. It could be working on your cars. It could be opening the mail. It could be playing hearts or free cell. It could be watching Seinfeld reruns, but isolation is a key part of that. Isolation, okay. Now there is, a, there is a hormone for women that acts pretty much the same way. It's called the cuddle hormone or the happiness hormone. It's, it's the good outlook hormone. It's the joy hormone. It's the hormone that for women um, keeps them on an even keel, gives them energy, uh, gives them a, a good attitude and all that stuff. It's sort of the counterpart to testosterone in that regard. Same thing for women. They get up in the morning, they go out, do stuff, whatever. By the end of the day, their oxytocin um, uh, uh, levels are now reduced, and their body's telling them you need to get your body into the optimal situation so that your body can start replenishing that hormone. Okay? Does anybody have a wild guess what that optimal situation might be for women? Shopping. Not shopping. <laughs> what? Fishing? Dishes. Oh, dishes. Okay, dishes. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> fishing. That's okay. <laughs> anybody? Okay, social interaction with their most important earthly relationship, which happens to be the guy who is in his cave looking for isolation right now. Do you see how that works? Okay, you, now listen, li- this is funny, I get it. It is funny, but here's the problem this explains a lot of conflict in marriages, it does. Because you both come home after 8, 10, 12, whatever hours, and both of your bodies are saying that you need something that neither, neither one of the uh, other spouse is willing to give up on. Okay, so when Jackie and I discovered this, um, to the extent that our schedule allows it, Jackie knows that when I get home, I need a little breathing room for 45, 60 minutes. But I also know that once that's over with, I need to go and engage with her, right, to the extent that we can do it in our schedules, right? Okay, so that's kind of what we do, all right, and, and it has really, really helped us. Now, I, the danger with teaching this, of course, is usually, usually the guys, because they're like, well, I really need six to eight hours of that isolation thing, and then, they, and then they try to convince their wives of that. You really don't need that. It's like 60 or 90 minutes, so those are two things. Now. So when men and women are different, what I want to do now is, is change gears a little bit, but this, this still leans into how men and women are different. I want to talk about social exchange theory. Do we have any social scientists in here that know what social exchange theory is in regard to communication or psychology? Okay, social exchange theory has been around for 45, 50 years now, um, never been falsified. It is an economic view of relationships, <clears throat> and it is based on Profits and losses, okay? Brian's over there like, yeah, yeah, okay. Now he's going, yeah, I remember this now, okay. So I know this is really crass to think about relationships in terms of, of a financial, uh, uh, like a balance sheet and a P&L statement, but that's exactly what it does, okay? And so uh, here's, uh, in, in Willard Harley's book, His Needs, Her Needs, which is specifically about how social exchange theory works for uh, husbands and wives, He explains it this way, and I think it's the best explanation. It's the one that I understood and resonated with uh, the best and easiest, and and I think it's very helpful. He explains it this way He says, Every person has a relationship bank in their brain, like a Wells Fargo for relationships or a Bank of America for relationships. And every person that you meet, and begin to have a relationship with on any level, work, friendship, neighbors, romantic, whatever it is, church, school, whatever it is. And whether it's a casual relationship, an acquaintance, or a very deep relationship, whatever it is, that person opens an account in your bank with with their name on it. And then based on how they treat you and what they do to you or for you, they will either make deposits into their account in your bank or they will make withdrawals out of their account in your bank and and uh, if you understand romantic relationships especially in the first 3 to 6 months where the where both the man and the woman are on their very best behavior right and and you're engaged in image management and PR and marketing and all that stuff in the first 3 to 6 months you can see how your account in your suitor's uh, bank is just going to skyrocket. You're going to have this major positive balance in there. But the longer you're in relationship and the more you get to know each other and the more your guard comes down and the more you're around each other in in situations where um, you you get to see the real other person, they begin to make withdrawals out of their account and you're a bank. And so eventually those... This is, why, this is why couples suffer very often from what's called mutual disenchantment. Now, I don't want a show of hands, but I know that everybody has at one time or another experienced mutual disenchantment, okay? It happens. And so Harley wrote this book, for the reason that Harley wrote this book is that <clears throat> he said once uh, you, uh, your spouse's account in your bank goes down a a significant amount, maybe even into the red, okay, and you're experiencing this disenchantment, you become a prime candidate and target for an affair. And so the subtitle of the book is His Needs, Her Needs, How to Affair-Proof Your Marriage, okay? It's very practical, it's all based on social science, it's really good social science and really good research. Now, Harley is a Christian, his wife's a fairly famous gospel singer, uh, but he chose not to write the book in Christianese because he wanted it to, to to have a wider appeal, and so it has. He's sold more than five million since it originally came out in 1987. It's considered a classic right now. He's got a website; I think it's called MarriageBuilders.com. Uh, he has trained people that go out and teach this material all the time. I've taught this material. Uh, before. Uh, Joe and Chelsea actually have the, the CD set from when I taught it the last time, and I took 11 weeks to teach what I'm going to talk about here in about 40 minutes, okay, uh, just to kind of give you an idea. It's a very helpful book. It's not gospel-centered or scripturally-based, ba- uh, uh, but I can, sh- I can point out scripture as to, as to how all of this works, but it, it really does uh, help. Now, I have a couple stories about this that I want to tell you before we dive into what the needs are. The the, the basis of the book says that um, men and women have different emotional needs, and you need to figure that out um, because of false consensus effect, which we talked about the first or second night, if you remember the second night. Um, When Jackie and I first got married, I have certain emotional needs as a man that don't relate to Jackie, but because I suffer from false consensus effect, just like all of us do. Uh, in other words, we have the tendency to overestimate the degree to which other people uh, agree with us and our feelings and values and everything. Uh, so the things that I wanted from Jackie, I was giving to Jackie. Well, I think I'm doing a great job in the marriage, but she's like, whatever. You know, I don't want sex four times a day. What's wrong with you? Okay. so you, th- I, th- I, th- I, That's one of the examples in the book. Okay. I'm just blame Harley okay I'll give you his email if you want Um, at the same time Jackie has emotional needs that don't relate to me and she's working really hard to give me those needs and I'm kind of going what are you doing why do you keep touching me you know so without it going anywhere (laughs) okay so just an example all right So um, most of us are adults in this room, so it's okay, moral and notwithstanding. So anyway, (laughs) so um, here's what's interesting about this book. Most people pick this book up and they read it, and then they go to their spouse and they say, you need to read about what my needs are. That's what they do with this book. I'm telling you. So it sells a lot of copies, but it doesn't help a lot of people because what ends up happening is very selfish people get a hold of it and say, I'm fine, but you need to read this, okay? So uh, I came home from seminary one day and I said, I got this great class with Bill Rett. This is Bill Rett's class. I got this great class with Bill Rett's. We get to read um, any books we want as long as they're about relationships and stuff. And and uh and and there's no textbooks we just get to read these books and write book reviews and uh, paul carpenter who was a friend of mine in the class said you need to read his needs her needs by willard Hart. you got to read that book so i came home and i said to jackie who was always picking up the girls at school near the berean christian bookstore and apparently berean carries this book i said would you stop by there tomorrow when you pick up the girls and get this book and she said don't have to and she walked over to the bookshelf in the, in the living room and pulled the book out of Uh, the bookshelf. Okay, so I said, well, what are you doing with that? And she said, well, remember Tambra, Tambra Longnecker, remember her? Okay, so she was, uh, five years earlier, this, this young lady came to Jackie and said, uh, I'm getting ready to get married. I want to go through a book with you. And can you be my sort of mentor as I'm getting ready to get married? And so she spent six months meeting with Tambra once a week. And the book they chose to go through was His Needs, Her Needs. Well, Jackie read this whole book, never left it on my pillow or anything at night for me to read it. Instead started uh, appropriating uh, what she learned about me in the book, Instead of trying to get me to read about what she needs, she just she put the book away and just started to appropriate what, what she felt, what the book said I needed. That's what a gospel-centered marriage looks like, men and women, is putting away the selfishness and letting God figure out when somebody needs to see or hear something. Let me tell you something. When I heard that story, I read the book in a day and a half, and I started to incorporate the things that she needed. It's just the way it works, okay? I love that story because it is so selfless on her part and it inspired selfless behavior on mine, okay? But that's what the gospel is all about and that's what Ephesians 5 is all about. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your husbands and husbands love your wives. That's what it's about. Well, she's not submitting to me, love her. Well, he's not loving me, submit to him. That's what it's about. Second story about this. I was teaching this at First Christian Church a number of years ago. Oh my goodness, how long ago was that? It was late 90s. I was teaching this at First Christian Church um, on Sunday mornings for six weeks. And um, First Christian Church is at uh, Frank Lloyd Wright Church, uh, north of Bethany Home on 7th Avenue, if anybody's ever seen that interesting church. Anyway, so we were in the old parsonage that they have on the property where they've cl- they'd cleared out the first floor of this parsonage, and you could get about 60, 60 to 80 people in there. We had a bunch of couples in there. And, but this room, this building also had a basement. So I'm standing here teaching. People are there, and right behind me are the stairs that go down to the basement. So every session we started with me talking about the story of how Jackie read this book, put it on the bookshelf, and then just started serving me based on what she learned in this book, okay? And I said and I said at, I began every session saying, if you're here to get your spouse fixed, I wish you would just leave. Okay? The only reason you should be here is to get is to work on yourself and see how God is going to shape you in this. So if you're here elbowing your spouse every 5 minutes, you're not helping anybody and you're not helping your own marriage. And I would say that before every session. Okay, so here comes session five. And in the middle of session five, I'm talking about what the wife needs, okay? And I'm really laying it on the guys, okay? And this young lady gets up, walks right down the center aisle, goes over, okay, and I'm just talking. She goes down the stairs into the basement. And about five seconds later, literally, everybody on the first floor hears this. We're like, somebody better go down there. (laughs) So a bunch of people run down there. And here's what she said. I've been telling my husband since we started to come here that he needs to listen to him and shape up. He's not meeting my needs. She just didn't get it. And I'm telling you, he's sitting up there. He wasn't one of the ones that ran down there, by the way. <laughs> it was a sad situation. It was a really sad situation. But the point was, is, the point I'm making is that they were both so determined that they were going to fix the other person that neither one of them ever thought that maybe they needed to have God work on them, and their marriage was just doomed as a result of that, okay? So when we talk about this stuff, I just really want you to lean into, okay, I would really like it if JP or, or Ashley or whoever would do those things for me. I would really like it, but really lean into the things that you maybe could learn about what you should be doing for your spouse, okay, or your to-be spouse, all right? We okay with that? All right, here we go. Um, oh, ah! Here's how I want to do this tonight. There are ten emotional needs that human beings generally need in romantic relationships, but they are split by um, they are split by gender, specifically by gender. Five naturally gravitate towards women. Five naturally gravitate towards men, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass out all 10 of them in alphabetical order, and then we're going to see if we can figure out where they belong up here, okay? All right? Does that make sense? You only need one of these for, for, can you help me pass these out? Thanks, John. Whoa. There you go. Okay, first one on the list is uh, affection or intimacy. Is that something a, a wife needs or a husband needs? Wife. wife. Okay. Would it be uh, one, two, three, four, or five? One. one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do, but but sp- they do, but and there's nuances, but generally speaking, these. These, the, the five go for women, the five go for men, generally speaking. Attractive spouse. Oh my goodness, that was fast. <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five. It's not number one. That's right, Ashley's got it. And we'll talk a little bit about that because right now some of you are grinding your teeth. And it's not the men. (laughs) Uh, Conversation. Who needs conversation? Okay, one, two, four, or five. I'm sorry, two, three, four, or five. Two, that's right. Okay, who has their smartphone open to the marriage builder's um, website? (laughs) Uh, Domestic tranquility. Who needs that? Men. Which number would that be? Who said four? Yep. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about each one of these. Who needs family commitment? Women need family commitment. Where do you think it fits? Five. Now, here's the other thing we need to remember is... Um, Maybe with one exception, uh, this is kind of like the difference between uh, the number-one-ranked golfer on the PGA Tour and the, and the 100th-ranked golfer on the PGA Tour. There's really virtually no difference. It's minuscule, okay? So it's the same thing here. These are all really, really important. It's not like, well, whatever. This is still really important, okay? Uh, so next one, financial security. Who needs that, men or women? Men. Women. Three or four? Openness and honesty. Who needs that from their spouse? I'm sorry? Women. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so obviously the last three are for men. Now where would recreational companionship go on this, do you think? It's actually two for men. Again, you have to you have to di de- del- delve into how he's um i uh defining this, okay? I will. We'll get to it in a minute. Without using the word moose. <laughs> Without using the word moves, okay. By the way, my friend my friend in um in Minneapolis tweeted that like four hours after it was posted on the <laughs> um okay. So Where do you think sexual fulfillment goes on here? One or five? Now, I'm going to go through and explain all these, okay? uh, Harley's research, which is based on 10,000 couples, so this isn't like, you know, uh, 150 students at... Phoenix College or whatever, this is based on 10,000 couples, okay? Uh, He ends up with sexual fulfillment here and respect and admiration down here. Um, What's interesting, and this will help you understand how close all these are, is is that most other research studies have respect and admiration as number one and sex number two. Okay, And I will also tell you that when I I go through this stuff in COM 100 at PVCC, almost every guy in the classroom says, yeah, it's more important than I'm respected. Okay, they will say that, okay? So anyway, let's, let's kind of um, go through this. Now, one of the things that you'll see in the women's needs is that a sense of security and safety runs, th- there's a thread of security and safety that runs through all of these, okay? Affection and intimacy is emotional and spiritual affection and intimacy is not physical, okay? This is the physical thing. Okay, we are plumbed differently and we are wired differently. So Harley likes to say this and and, and you begin to see how some of this stuff fits together. Okay. And it's really helpful. Harley says uh, affection and intimacy should be the environment of a good marriage where sexual fulfillment is the special event. Okay. And so on a purely pragmatic transactional basis, if a guy is doing a good job providing the affectionate environment, there's probably going to be more special, event, uh, special events going on. Okay? Got that, guys? That's helpful. <clears throat> okay, so affection and embassy, we talked about that a lot when we were in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's a big part of it. This involves the non sexual touching and. Uh, you know, all of that stuff. We we talked about non-sexual touching, right? And I know guys are like, those words don't belong in the same sentence together, but it is important that we understand how to do that, okay? Uh, Conversation. Now, so Melissa's point is well taken. I I would say that conversation is probably in my top five, but that's a nuance. That's not normally what happens in male-female relationships, but the biggest point of this that I want to make is not, just, not necessarily that some guys like me need conversation more than others, but it's how men and women view conversation. That's the biggest thing, okay? So uh, how many of you have heard of uh, a, a PhD in psychology named uh, Deborah Tannen? She's written a couple of books on the differences between the way men and women communicate. She's the one who initially came out with the research that said men generally use about 30,000 words, I'm, I'm sorry, women tend to use about 30,000 words a day. Uh, men tend to use about 15,000. That's why by the time we get home, we have nothing left to say, you know. Um, the the, the uh, veracity of that research has been questioned some, but not the veracity of the rest of her research. So listen, listen to this, see if this doesn't make some sense, okay? So men and women get into a conversation And there's disconnect all the time. One of the reasons is because men tend to use words to build hierarchies, whereas women tend to use words to build relationships. Now, I know that might be hard for some of us guys to hear, but it's true. The way we use words is vastly different. Women tend to use words to build bridges. Men tend to use words to build processes in which they can control. This should be clicking with a few of you, and if it's not, you're doing a good job. If it is, and you're not showing it, you're doing a good job of Im- image management right now. Okay, that's what's happening. All right, so uh, the, the 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 nail head video is really important because, in my opinion, I think it's very funny, but it doesn't. I don't think it really goes far enough. Obviously, if women need a solution to a problem, they are open. To, I shouldn't say women, wives, if they need a solution to a problem, they are open to the counsel of their husband. The problem is that the husband, and I am this husband, so I know firsthand, the husband tends to enter every single conversation assuming that what she's looking for is a solution and not just a solution, but a solution just like that. And so Jackie will sit down and start used to sit down and start talking to me. Hopefully not as much as it used to, okay. But she would sit, early in our marriage, she would sit down and start talking to me and she'd be like, she just wants to spend 30 or 40 minutes with me just sort of unpacking and detoxing and, and talking about it and thinking out loud and using me as a sounding board. I'm telling you within three minutes, I've got a piece of paper and I've got a three point plan that solves her problem. And I will stop her and I will say, I-, I got it. Here's what you need to do. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Now, where'd you put the clicker? That's essentially how we would do it, okay? And, and, and it wasn't until I started to realize, look, she's probably got it all, already figured out or she's in the process of figuring it out by just talking to me about it, okay? She doesn't necessarily want me to solve her problem. Now, there are times, I found there are times when Jackie, when wives... Would really like you to help solve the problem. And they really want to know how you think that, that they should do it. They, they really do. It's, it's not the majority of the time, but sometimes they do. And they have a very subtle way of communicating that to you guys. And you need to be really sharp to be able to get this, this, this communication cue. Okay? Here's the cue. She'll say, what do you think I should do? That's your cue for <laughs> offering the solution, okay? When she says, what do you think I should do? That's your opening. If she doesn't say, what do you think I should do? Not much of an opening there, unless she has a nail in her head, but give her 30 minutes before you pull it out, okay? <laughs> You're gonna be a lot better off. And we could, I'm tell, I can go for two hours on this, this part here. This, that's, just, that's, a, that's a flyover. Guys, we need to understand that they view conversation differently than us. I have another handout in a minute that I'm going to give you that I got off of my Twitter feed that's very helpful from a a pastor that I follow in in, um, Ukraine, and it's... uh, 10 things every wife wants from her husband. I, and I read, it. I think it's really helpful, okay? I know you guys are going, what about the 10 things every husband wants from his, they haven't published that yet. If they do, I'll let you know, but I have this one. And I'm gonna give it to you guys because I think it will be helpful, okay? So conversation, financial security. This is, here's, this is really important to understand. It, it's not that she's looking to marry a guy who's making 6 million a year, okay? That's not the point. Here's the point. The point is is that guys have the tendency to hide the financial information from their wives and then when something bad happens, they're taken by surprise. That doesn't help the wife very much. Guys uh, are, are okay with financial surprises as compared to women, generally speaking. There are other surprises which we'll talk about in a minute that guys are not okay with that you ladies need to understand. But the financial security piece is not about the amount of money, it's about your openness and honesty in communicating about the money. And that's, that's the fourth thing that women need is they, they need you to be open and honest. You need to be an open book with them. And I know this is hard for guys because guys, guys love to be hidden. We just love hiddenness. That's part of how we're wired, Okay. Uh, But this is where I usually get in trouble on these things. But I will tell you that um, in our house, there is not a single locked drawer or locked cabinet or secret uh, box or anything in the house uh, that Jackie doesn't have access to. And she has all my passwords. And if she says, let me see your phone, I hand her the phone and I unlock it for her. And she probably knows how to unlock it anyway. But whatever, whatever she wants. And now, by the way, she doesn't, she doesn't say, let me see your phone, okay? She doesn't do that. But she knows she has unfettered access to anything. She can look at my history. She can look at anything. Anything she wants. It's a completely open book. And, and I've known guys who have locked drawers that are off limits to their wives. And I'm like telling the wives, you ought to get a crowbar and go and open that thing okay now I, that doesn't make me too popular with the guys but I'm telling you what's in there probably isn't helpful to the relationship okay and then finally family commitment this was a big one that um I really needed to learn about in my relationship with Jackie because I love my family but oh my goodness they, they, when Jackie tell me t- is this not true when we got married my family was not important to me right I mean I love them but they weren't that important right I wasn't pining to go to dinner with them. I wasn't pining to travel with them. I wasn't pining to visit them. Nothing, right? Jackie was just the opposite, okay? She thought it was odd that I was planning vacations where we weren't involving her family, okay? And it was a source of conflict for us early on, okay? Now, I have learned to love her family. And, and in fact, now I look forward to it, and it's a lot better, but it, it, was, it was a huge deal to her, right? It was a big deal to her that I got on board with that. That could have been a very destructive element in our relationship if I hadn't figured that out and gotten on board with that, okay? Now, the, the men, that, men need sexual, I mean, they just, we, we like that, okay? Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's Jerry Seinfeld said, you know, um, men don't need a reason to have sex; they just need a place. And that's, you know. Uh, I, I've been in these. I've been in these rooms with Schrader before, where Schrader will walk around and he'll get. You know, she. She needs. She's a crockpot. She needs to be warmed up slowly. She needs to be talked to. This and that. I can tell you, he's ready right now. <laughs> right now. Okay. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay. And and here's the problem with this. W- 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 many wives don't understand the desperate need that men have for them, for the wife to drive this sometimes, more often than you do. Okay? That I, I know it's a little uncomfortable in here right now, but that's really helpful to guys, okay? If the wife drives this a little bit, by the way, guys, she'll drive it a lot more if you're doing this up here. Okay, but that'll be very helpful. Second, recreational companionship. Um, Most guys are involved in recreation that many women don't necessarily wanna be involved in, okay? And so when a guy can find a woman who likes hunting or fishing or... Golf is controversial. Some guys will go, she can do anything she wants with me but golf, no way is she golfing with me, okay? But sometimes with golf, um i will tell you the uh, professional football games and hockey games and and that stuff that i've been to that's a big deal to guys that their wives like to go with them okay even if you don't like that that kind of thing but that's a big deal um and then and then when when they're younger and they're playing in leagues okay it's important to them that you come and watch i know it's stupid But it has a lot to do with this thing down here, too. Okay, it's respect and admiration. When you struck out that fourth time, you actually got a foul tip on that third pitch. That's really good, (laughs) you know. So so the recreational companionship is is driven by what the guy likes to do. Now, I have to always temper this by telling guys, guys, if you're used to going fishing and hunting every weekend and you get married, don't do that. You need to cut that back. You need to just learn. You're going to have to learn to cut that back, okay? Now, does that mean you need to do everything together? No. Jackie and I, I think, have a really healthy balance of this. Uh, There's a bucket load of stuff that Jackie and I love to do together, and we, we desire to do it together and can't wait until we can do it together. Um, movies especially is, is one. We like to shop together. I know that's weird for some of you guys, but I genuinely like to go shopping with her. It might be because I have a background in retail and that's why it's interesting to me, but it's, I get to spend time with her too. That's another reason why. Um, for the first 10 or 15 years of our marriage, we had season tickets to, to hockey, prof- professional hockey, and she loved it. She wasn't going just to appease me. She loved it, and, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, And then it got too expensive and our kids got too uh, high maintenance and all that stuff and we couldn't go anymore. But all of that stuff we did together. Now, um, Jackie plays competitive volleyball. Uh, They pay me to stay away from volleyball courts, okay? So she goes a couple of times a week and she plays volleyball, um, uh, uh, really competitive volleyball with, with men and women and I don't go. I do something else. Jackie, hey, I'm not going to sneeze. I want to emphasize this. Hates running. She hates it. Hates it. She's never going to run with me. She's just not. Okay. She runs a little bit now just because she thinks she has to uh, for her other for her jobs. Okay, but she's not the least bit interested in running or really in hiking either. She doesn't hike. She doesn't like to hike. My daughters like to hike with me, but she doesn't like to hike. So there are some differences and we've struck a healthy balance and it works really well, but we do recreational companionship a a lot together. So attractive spouse. Ladies, you need to understand they're not looking to be married to, all right, who's hot these days? I don't, I don't keep up with this stuff anymore because, uh, Nobody even wants to say a name, okay? That's, they're not looking to be married to Jennifer Aniston. They like you, okay? They like you. And when you read, Joe, you're really not looking to be married to Jennifer Aniston, okay? When, when you read the, the, um, the chapter on this, what you find out is just like here, women don't like surprises. Down here, men hate surprises. They really do. Okay, so if you've had this long, beautiful hair that you've taken care of and one day you go out and get it cut like Annie Lennox, does that reference still mean anything? John liked it. Uh, you get the Yule Brenner. How's that? <laughs> I know, I'm just, I'm just needling the young people in the room, okay? If you get your hair cut really, really short and don't mention it and come home, he's going to freak out. He just is. Okay, uh, it, uh, and, and that's not to say that guys don't like short hair. I'm just saying guys don't like changes in a, radical and quick changes in appearance. That's what they don't like. That's, so if you're plan- I'm, I'm telling you guys are thinking, what a baby he is. Well, yeah, but it's helpful that Jackie's going to get her hair trimmed like an inch and a half. She starts telling me three weeks before it happens. She's preparing me for that. And it just is helpful, okay? And then, and then after about six months, I get used to the trim. And so it's really, you know, it's good, okay? Uh, domestic tranquility is a, is a big one for guys. That's the whole idea that they need to feel protected in their home. Um, it's noisy and distracting and hard out in the marketplace, as everybody knows. Generally speaking, when guys get home, they want to just, they wanna be able to disconnect, generally speaking. Now... Back in the days when we all had landlines and not cell phones, okay, we, we just went, the last house we moved into, we didn't get a landline. Said, you know, I never thought that day would come, but, but it has. We just have cell phones now. But uh, Jackie and I, when we were first married, we just had a landline, no cell phone, okay? Um, Jackie did a really good job of this. Uh, she, I never answered the phone at home. If, if the phone rang, she answered it. She made. Sh- she just did that for me, and it was really nice because I really don't like. I don't like the phone. I don't. Okay. I, the only reason I have a cell phone is because Tyler said I had to have one. Okay. So if you don't know who Tyler is, he's my boss. Okay. So, um, well, and he's right below Jesus, so it goes Jesus, Tyler, <laughs> then me. <laughs> So anyway, domestic tranquility is just the idea that, um, and yes, you're going to go through seasons when the house is out of control. You are, okay? So Brian and Ashley, you're in that season right now. They got twins, okay? And one's three and one's one. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) They have twins right now and they're still under a year old. They're like seven or eight months, right? Okay? And so it's a little crazy in your house and you go through these seasons, but uh, anyway, and I know that you appreciate it when Brian comes home and helps, actually. Right? Just giving you a little plug there, Ashley. Okay, so. All right. And then uh, respect and admiration. We've talked a lot about this already in Ephesians 5, but let me just reiterate. Ladies, this really is important. Um, and, and I'll give you just a, a few more, um, a little more insight on, on my relationship with Jackie. Uh, Of all the things, Jackie never even had to learn this. Um, She just knew instinctively that this would be important. She has done this since the day we started dating. If she disagreed with me or if I was behaving badly in public, she never chastised me publicly, never disagreed with me publicly. She never ever put me on the spot publicly. She's never done that. Now, privately, does she have something to say? It's not a trick question. Yes, she does. But she always, and she she will go right at me. She'll come right at me, but she'll do it in a loving, uh, uh, partnering way. But she won't let me get away with stuff. Okay, but she'll never do it to me in public because she knows the damage that she could do to our relationship in public is never gonna be worth what change she might effectuate in me you know, in the future. It's never gonna be worth it, okay? So she gets that, and, and ladies, I would just tell you, that's really, really important. As hard as it might be for you to with and and, and and keep from saying something publicly, um, uh, please do it, it will help you immensely. It really will, okay? Um, there's a, uh, the, the, the uh, On Golden Pond scene. How many of you have seen On Golden Pond? It's an older movie, 70s, right? Okay, so I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna turn this off now because that thing was giving us trouble when, when we were showing the video. You're my knight in shining armor. That's what I know. It's like, come on, that's what we want to hear. We really do, and it goes a long, long way. And we're so superficial; we'll just take the lip service if that's all you can give us. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's a beautiful example of that. Let me let me show you. Um, uh, we've got uh, we got about. 10 more minutes i want to show you one more quick video really quick video and then just make a couple of other points uh and then set us up for the last session which will be next week um this is one more scene from annie hall it it um generally is shown during the sexual fulfillment session of this and th- by this this scene is like 15 seconds long Uh, What's happening here is now Woody Allen and and, uh, Diane Keaton are now several years into their relationship and they're having all kinds of problems. They're experiencing mutual disenchantment. They're they're not liking each other very much anymore. And both of them are going and seeing... analysts. They call them analysts in New York City in the 70s. Okay. So they're both going to see psychologists and there's this split screen. They're both in there at their own doctor and and the, the, the conversation is exactly the same, but the results are very different. So it just gives you some insight as to how men and women think about things. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to help, okay? Is, is, you know, this is why, I, I, Woody Allen is a, you're really, a, uh, well, this is public. He's a challenge to like as a human being, but I'm telling you, he is brilliant about human nature. He's got insight into human nature like you wouldn't believe. He would have made a great theologian if he had ever, if he had ever stud, had chosen to study that sort of thing. All right, now. <laughs> A uh, couple things, um, and then we'll be done. That uh, I just these are random things that I think will be helpful. Number one, um, communication has two major dimensions to it. Some of you know this and have heard this. I've talked about it before, but I'm going to do it again. Communication has two major dimensions. There's content. That's the substance of a message, of a communication event, okay? And then there's relationship. Okay? Content and relationship. Those are the two major dimensions of communication. So the content is the substance of the message. The relationship is what are the people to each other, okay? Now, Obviously, res- I don't even know why you have to research this, okay? But w- one gender tends to focus on content, the other on, re- I should say, sex. One sex focuses on content, the other on relationship. You get one guess as to who focuses on content and who's on relationship. So who's content? Men. Relationship. Women. Okay? So, men will sacrifice the relationship in order to get content across, women will sacrifice content in order to keep the relationship intact, generally speaking. Okay? Now this is why, th- this is why, and this happens all the time, I'm getting ready for work in the morning and Jackie knows that I have a very difficult meeting that day with somebody. Okay? And, and I'm going to have to confront them about some things and it's going to be a challenging conversation. And so before I leave, she'll kiss me very tenderly on or about the lips. (laughs) And then she will say to me, be careful what you say. Because she knows that I'm going to say whatever I think is necessary and she wants me to preserve the relationship, okay? The next day, we're getting ready for work. And I know that Jackie has a very difficult conversation to have with somebody. She needs to confront somebody. It's going to be a challenging situation. And I will kiss her very tenderly all over her face and lips. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll look at her right in the eye and I'll say, be sure you say this! (laughs) (laughs) Because I know she is going to preserve this at the expense of saying what might need to be said. Okay. Now those are severe generalizations, but generally they're true. Okay. And there's a little bit of an exaggeration there in terms of our relationship, but we've had those conversations before. Fairly close to that. Okay. So again, it's just helpful to understand um, uh, those things. Uh, guys, you need to remember, especially men and women both need to remember this, but guys, especially, you need to remember that we can lie both by omission and commission. You know, you guys know the difference? So what's a lie of commission? Deliberately telling an untruth. Deliberately telling an untruth. What's a lie of omission? Don't, telling a part of the truth. You, you, were, you were accurate but not truthful. Okay. So so honey, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be late tonight. I am meeting with Jim uh, at uh Lamore we're going to have a little dinner, and then I'll be home. But Jim and I actually go to the highlighter, okay? That's a lie of commission, okay? Uh, then there's, uh, honey, I'm going to be a little late tonight. I'm going to go out with Jim. We're going we're, we're to go out somewhere and talk, and, and I'll be home a little bit later. That's just a lie of omission, okay? I'm not telling her where and hoping she doesn't ask because she trusts me, Okay? We're going to walk out of here tonight and Jackie's going to be going, man, I have really let my guard down on asking him a lot of questions. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's a, th- I think that's helpful uh, there. Now, uh, I think this is really helpful too to think about. Um, Driscoll says that uh, m- marriages uh, occur in kind of three ways. Um, Oh boy. John Gottman talks about this as well. If you remember Ben in, in the third week, he used a lot of John Gottman stuff. Gottman talks about this as well, but he uses a different language for it. I like Driscoll's language in this case a little bit better. He says that some marriages uh, uh, take place back to back. Okay, So what he means by that is that the marriages are in constant conflict. You're, you're not turned towards each other, you're not engaging each other, you're back-to-back because you're just really struggling through a lot of conflict and you really don't like each other very much. And obviously that, that marriage is in a little bit of trouble. Uh, he says some marriages take place shoulder-to-shoulder, which is not bad, but it's not really great either. And what he means by that, by the way, guys love relationships that are shoulder-to-shoulder, okay? Okay we like to be shoulder to shoulder we never want to have to actually look at anybody that's you know we, we, we when we square off that's like an act of um intimidation and it's certainly an act of intimacy for us but we like to be shoulder to shoulder but when a marriage is shoulder to shoulder what that means is that's a lot of a lot of times that's like years seven through 25 when you're raising kids and just trying to get them through and get get you're running around you're trying to get everything done and you're actually a team and you're going out doing things together you're shoulder to shoulder and you're getting a lot accomplished, but you're not, you're not spending a lot of time face to face, okay? And then he says there's, there's uh, marriages that occur face to face, which are, the, you know, the best relationships, the best marriages because you're intimate with each other, emotionally, spiritually, as well as physically, but mostly emotionally and, and spiritually. You're intimate with each other when you're, when you're in that face to face. I would argue that you need elements of all three, and I think he would too, but I think you need actually elements all, of all three. Um, when I hear back to back, I don't hear conflict. What I hear is protecting each other, because you know that's what soldiers do when they're out. When there's just two of them, and they're out alone. They they, they stand back to back so that they can they have each other's back. Husbands and wives need to be back to back in terms of having each other's back. You really do need to have each other's back. Um, uh, Jim and I have a friend, uh, Randy uh, Poulos, who who talks a lot about this in his. Uh, marriage with his wife Elizabeth, and it's and it's really fun to listen to them talk about this. They, no matter what anybody says about their spouse, to them, whether it's true or not, they will they will they will defend their spouse, just without even just a default. They will defend their spouse. It's one of the reasons they have a very strong, very strong marriage okay? If if what is said is true and it's a problem in the marriage, they'll take care of it themselves in the privacy of their relationship, okay? But they they stand back to back in that regard, shoulder to shoulder. Jackie and I are just now really coming through those shoulder to shoulder years and, and, and it's been really hard because we we want more of the face-to-face. Isn't that right, Jackie? We would really like more of the face-to-face and that's a good point. You might later. I'm giving you opportunities to take notes for later. <laughs> uh, but we've come through a time when it's been a lot of shoulder to shoulder. Two two active, uh, aggressive, you know, uh, daughters that are going like mad. Uh, both of us working. Uh, both of us in ministry. And so it's it's been a long run. Um, the danger of getting to be, you realize that uh, the vast majority of marriages break up at seven and 25 years. Do you all know why? Yeah, the, the, tw- the seven years, the, the classic seven-year itch, that's mutual disenchantment and you're kind of bored, okay? Um, 25 years is because uh, you're empty nest and you don't know what to do with each other because you quit cultivating the face-to-face while you were doing the shoulder-to-shoulder. You don't know how to relate to each other if you're not relating be- through your kids. So be very careful of that. Jackie and I have been careful about, Jackie and I have always taken our kids on vacation with us, but we've been very careful about always having our own time together as well, okay? We love family vacations, and we think that's important, and we've been rewarded in that regard. We love that, Um, but we've also taken very seriously the time that we will uh, spend alone together. Um, If you have your Bibles, Somebody's like, "Yes, glad we're going to finally get to the Bible. It's a church. I told you this was going to be a combination of of, uh, Bible and um, social science. And tonight was a lot of the social science. So Um, turn to Proverbs 5, if you have your Bibles. Oh, we're just about out of time. We'll do Proverbs 5. I'll save uh, 1 Corinthians 7 for next week. Get to talk about sex again. And uh, Psalm 127 we'll do next week. And then we're going to go we're next. Here we go. I'll tell you go. I'll tell you what we're going to do next week, and then we'll end with Proverbs 5. Next week, we're going to talk about the importance of forgiveness and how to actually go about asking for forgiveness. Okay? Um, and then we're going to talk about the stages of relationships and why relationships uh, uh, disintegrate and, and dissolve. Uh, but that's probably 20 to 25 minutes worth of material. It's really good material, but it's about 25 minutes worth of material. And then we're going to spend the last um, uh, 35 or 40 minutes together just opening it up for questions and talking and, and finally get, letting you guys take your shots and, and ask. It, it, seriously, I th- it, you know I, I've, I've wanted a little bit more dialogue than we've had, but I've been true to form and just talked a lot. So anyway... Proverbs five. I love this passage because I'm. I, it it kind of goes al- along with on golden pond. Did you hear him say? I couldn't wait to get back to your pretty face. Okay. Um, but it's true. Okay. Uh, I, I look at Jackie today, and I've said this before, and I see the I see the 20 year old girl that I I knew, you know, 26 years ago. Uh, that is that is seeing things through the lens of God. So, starting with uh, verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern. Now, he's not talking about quenching your your physical thirst. Okay, this is metaphorical language here. Drink water from your own cistern. Uh, only make love to your wife. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone. And not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you, f- uh, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, uh, with a forbidden woman? And embrace the bosom of, of an adulteress. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all of his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. So what Solomon is saying there is is that um, through the eyes of God, your wife should always be attractive to you, even as she gets older. And this is a very difficult thing to understand in our culture today, because our culture values youth. Uh, I had this conver- we had this conversation uh, a Monday night recently, I think, didn't we, Jim, about um, I, I, was, uh, I was talking to somebody about how in many respects, in our culture, in many respects, I'm probably more qualified right now to, to pastor and shepherd people than I ever have been. But because I'm in my mid-50s, I'm also more irrelevant to m- many people than I've ever been to in my life. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay just because i'm in my mid 50s i may not even get a shot with some people because of my age even though i am more qualified now than i've ever been to shepherd and pastor people okay now let me give you a little comparison that i think is i think is a good comparison okay how many women in hollywood reach their peak of fame in in the movie business in their late 20s and early 30s and then are cast aside because They are older, yet in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, they're probably much more capable of acting well than they were when they were younger. That's the culture we live in, and that's what we do with our marriages, and that's what a lot of men are called to do in our culture with our wives. And Solomon is saying, Don't do that. Why should your waters be spread around? It is by the power of God, the power of the gospel, that you're going to be able to that that your wife's breasts will always fulfill you. Will always. uh, The other translations say they will always satisfy you. And and I could go off. I won't. I'll take thirty more seconds. I could go off on this idea, this this mistaken idea that romantic love never lasts. It does last. But it lasts because of the power of the gospel in us. Uh, I've said before. Jackie and I have been married 26 years it's, well, for me anyway, it's never been better. Never been better. And I'm telling you, I'm one of those people that when I got married, I thought, well, this will be fun for a couple of years. Even with Jesus in my life. And it's been fun for 26 years and I can't wait for it to keep going. That's the truth. And I don't say that to, you know, I can suck up to her anytime I want. So, (laughs) all right. Uh, Let me pray and we'll get out of here and I'll see you next week. And next week, uh, Caroline's bringing the food. Okay, uh, God, thanks a lot again for uh, your love and your grace and your mercy and thank you for um, giving us this time together. I pray that you would take uh, what's said and by the power of your Holy Spirit instill it in us and, and uh, use it for your glory and, and whatever I, I have said that is, is not right and not honoring to you, uh, that the Holy Spirit would just drown it out, uh, that it would be as if I'd never even said it. Uh, God, I pray that you would do that in all of our lives tonight, and I pray for our marriages. I pray that uh, your resurrected son would just strengthen our marriages, uh, and God, for those marriages that haven't taken place yet, I pray that you would, that you would uh, help open people's eyes to the importance of, of uh, this relationship, and how it is hard work, but the work is worth it. And so, God, we lift all these things up to you in the name of your son, amen.